Today, let's spend a few more moments talking about the idea of theology. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Thank you for joining us again on Preach Impediments. This podcast is made possible by EdenHollow.com. And of course, we would love for you to go over there and check out the things happening with Eden Hollow. Today, we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about theology. Or as Steve said back earlier in the week, the study of God things. I'll tell you, if you learn nothing else from the conversation I had with Steve, it's that this topic is humongous. There are so many different things involved in the study of God or God things. Because the study of God things includes the idea of Christ and redemption and salvation and reconciliation and all the other words that, honestly, we need to spend time defining in this podcast. Because they are big words and words that we probably struggle with uh, trying to understand them and how they're used and the proper way that the Bible speaks of them. Really, just about any topic you think of from a religious perspective is included in the concept of theology. But for the sake of this podcast, this episode, we're going to focus in just on the study of God and why that is important. I would argue that knowing God is one of the greatest human pursuits that any man or woman could ever find themselves engaged in. And this is really the way the Bible speaks of it also. Let me just read a few passages for you before we dig into some practical ideas to help you in your relationship with God. Proverbs chapter 8, and I want to start reading in verse 17, says, I love those who love me. And those who search for me, find me. With me are riches and honor, lasting wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than solid gold, and my harvest than pure silver. I walk in the ways of righteousness, along the paths of justice, giving wealth as an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. What a great series of promises that come from a God who does love us, a God who does want to uh, have that relationship with us, wants to provide for us, wants to do amazing things for us. Jeremiah chapter 9, starting in verse 23, says, This is what the Lord says, The wise person should not boast in his wisdom. The strong should not boast in his strength. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth. But the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. Did you see there that our goal shouldn't be wisdom, wealth, or strength? 
Our, our focus should not be on life here, but our goal should be to understand and know God and to be familiar with the things that God delights in, which here is listed as faithful love, justice, and righteousness. Those are three things that are very different than what the world says to pursue. The world tells us to focus on our, our minds, or our bodies, or our wealth. And honestly, God says that's entirely wrong. You should instead focus on love, justice, and righteousness. Jesus says over in John chapter 17, verse 1 and 3, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you since you gave him authority over all people, so that he may give eternal life to everyone you've given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one and only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. You know, eternal life is found in knowing God and, and understanding who he is and having a personal knowledge of who he is and a relationship with God. And then Paul says over in Philippians 3, verse 8 through 10, More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and to know the power of his resurrection and to know the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Again, we're told the goal is to know him. You know, we can relate that to our human relationships pretty easily. It's one thing for me to know about my wife. It is another thing to know her. You know, I could tell you that her favorite color is yellow, and I could tell you what her favorite number is, and I could probably tell you what her favorite book is, although that seems to change from day to day. I could probably tell you exactly what she would order at just about any restaurant we go to. I can tell you what kind of mood she's in just by looking at her face in the morning or in the afternoon when I come out of my office or at supper, if she's exhausted, if she's energetic. I could tell you if the children have been behaving today or not based on just looking at her mannerisms. I know my wife. I don't just know about her. I know her personally. And we're to know that about God, not, not just facts about him, not just here's some events in which he was involved directly through history. Here are the stories I read in scripture. No, we are to have a personal relationship, a personal acquaintance, a personal and direct interaction with God to such a degree that we know him. We know why we should act the way we do, and what his reaction would be if we made some decision. We should know him. Some people even make a big deal about the biblical no. I'm putting that in quotes here, although you can't see me. You know, this idea of that, that Jacob knew his wife or Abraham knew his wife and that sexual intimacy being the same thing, the same word as the word that we should know God. 
I think that concept probably makes some of us uncomfortable, as if it's implying that we have some sort of sexual intimacy with God. Clearly, that's not the case. But the part of the human relationship between a husband and a wife that is probably the deepest, most vulnerable, and most open part of our relationship is the sexual relationship. It's that one-to-one connection we make. And it's a connection that we are only to have with our spouse. A connection that we can't have any anywhere else with any other person. It is an intimacy that is not experienced in any other human relationship. And I think that's the point when people try to make the parallel between knowing a spouse and knowing God is that we should have a connection and relationship with God that is so intimate, so deep, so vulnerable, so restrictive, that this is a relationship that we only have with God. He's the only one that we can truly know in that way. So our goal is not just to know about God, but to know him. Uh, But that does mean we should know a lot about him. In my office, right next to my desk, I have a bulletin board, and on that bulletin board, I put things that I am praying for. Uh, I have a hard time picturing things in my mind, and so I put up pictures on the board of things that I'm praying for, people that I'm praying for. So uh, I have my wife's picture up there, and I have a quote about our marriage, and I have an individual picture of each one of my kids. I have my parents and my wife's parents' pictures are, are both up there. There are several members from church that are up there that I, I'm personally involved in praying about some aspect of their life and even other brothers and sisters that I know across the world that I need to pray for. But on the board also, I have the 40 characteristics of God that I like to pray thanksgiving to him for. I'm going to read these off for you in just a moment, but I want you to think about doing this. Think about truly choosing a characteristic of God that you can think about for an entire day, that you can come and pray about this aspect of who God is and what he means to you, how he is this characteristic in your life. And maybe through doing that, through thinking about who he is and how he is the way that he is, it can help you to draw closer to it. Here's the list. And these are in alphabetical order because for some reason that's the way I did it on my list. He is alert, attentive, available, bold, compassionate, creative, decisive, dependable, determined, diligent, discerning, discreet, enduring, enthusiastic, faithful, forgiving, generous, gentle, humble. He initiates. He is joyful. He is just. He is loving. He's loyal, meek, orderly, patient, persuasive, punctual, resourceful, responsible, reverent, secure, self-controlled, sensitive, sincere, thorough, truthful, virtuous, and wise. Those are the 40 characteristics that I like to pray 
to God about himself and, and, and thank him. Thank him for his wisdom. Thank him that his wisdom often shows up in my life, whether that be the, the studying of his word, whether that be when I'm in a difficult moment and he is providing for me in that difficult moment with answers as to what I should be doing. You know, some of these that I listed uh, are probably not what would be on your list. And there are probably things that I've left out of my list that you would add to yours. Let's be honest. There are not only 40 characteristics that are impressive about God. There are hundreds. But these are the 40 that I chose. And I imagine that there are some on here that you would probably add to your list also. Like God being dependable, forgiving, loyal, patient, secure, and virtuous. But I, I would imagine some of these are maybe surprising to you. Are there aspects of his character that we don't often think about? The fact that God is creative. That's not just true in the fact that he was a creator, that he created our world and our universe. It's also true in the fact that he continues to be creative and to find amazing things to do in our lives, or he works out through his providence and his involvement, creative solutions to our problems. It is amazing to see what God does or discerning. We tend to think of God as having all things figured out, and therefore, what would God ever have to discern? But God is discerning. He has to discern for me in my life exactly what I should be doing. God is orderly. Everything God does has a purpose and has an exact way it should be done and a best way that it can be done. And God always does things in the best way. You know, we don't often think about God being punctual. I'll be honest, I laugh at this one a little bit because it reminds me of what's said about Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings, that he shows up exactly when he intends to. And that's kind of how God is. God, while I might grow impatient with him, he shows up exactly when he needs to. He is always on time, and his timing is always perfect. God is self-controlled. Again, we, we view that as a response to weakness. And so, we don't think of self-control in the concept of God, but the truth is, he is. How often do you read through the Old Testament where God desired to destroy the people of Israel, but he controlled himself? He relented in his wrath. That's the thing about God. The more you get to know him, the more surprising he is. The more you get to know God, the more you realize he is bigger and more all-consuming that he is something grander than we have ever imagined before. So let me encourage you this week, between now and the next podcast, to stop and spend some time dwelling on God. Think about his character. And then once you've decided what his character is, spend some time thinking about other aspects of his character that just don't readily come to mind. Think about his personality, who he is, how he acts, and how you see him present in your life. Think about your interactions with him, the things that he does for you on such a regular basis. Think about who God is and think about who else he is that you haven't thought about yet. 
and let me encourage you to fall in love with your God again. I hope this has been so helpful to you. I'm trying to get a little more practical in some of these episodes because I really want these episodes to not just define a word for you, but to make the word come alive in your life. Hopefully this episode has done that. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to like it, to share it, to be willing to help others. And if you won't, reach out to me. Uh, You can find my contact information there on preachimpediments.com or you can find out more about this podcast and other things we're doing at edenhollow.com whenever you've got time. Until next time, 